Well, happy Easter, Connection Point Church. My name is Joel Halpin. I'm pastor of Connection Point Church. This is Megan Williams joining me to discuss our text this morning. Megan, how are you doing? I'm good. Happy Easter, y'all. Happy Easter. Easter. So awesome. Now, I want to start off with, uh, we've had a uh, just a great time being a church over the last three weeks, even though it's been yeah. hard. And so I thought I'd start off with a question for you that I want you to respond on social media in the comments. Let us know. What is your favorite thing about Connection Point Church? What is your favorite thing about your church? And so, Megan, I'll start off with you. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about our church? Man, I have loved um, just seeing stuff happen in our church over the last several weeks. One of my favorite things is on Friday, we had the Good Friday drive-up service. Mm -hmm. And, man, every time someone drove up, I was helping with parking, which was, I think, a gift. I'm so thankful that I got to do that. But every time someone drove up, I just got a lump in my throat like, I've just missed you so much. It's so good to see you and just waving. So that was really sweet. And then I've also just loved watching and hearing stories of people showing up for one another and really just taking care of each other in this season. It's been so sweet. Yeah, I think that uh, if you'd have asked me three weeks ago, I would have said my favorite thing is just how we enjoy life together as a church. Uh, but now I would say my, my favorite thing about our church is that we struggle together, that we can yeah. suffer together because yeah. really what we've seen is people showing up for one another, yeah. people loving each other. And when people are fearful, when people are in that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I've just loved seeing that. And the reality is uh, this may be the worst Easter that many of us experience. It right. really, it might be. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting a new sermon today, a series today called He Still Has the Whole World in His Hands. And the big idea today is this, that this may be the worst Easter, but you can have hope in the worst Easter because of the first Easter. I want every single one of us to come away from this series that we're starting today with this one idea. And that is that when life is uncertain, God is certain. And that's what we're going to find today. Because the truth is, is the Bible is a story of God showing up for his people in uncertainty. Every single fact in the Bible is set on a background of uncertainty. There are uh, economic collapses. There are harsh governments. There are pandemics. There are wars. There are everything you can think of happens It's uncertain. The Bible is a story of God being certain in uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about this, and one of the stories that came to my mind was the story of Joseph, who he starts off his story being thrown into a pit Mm -hmm. by his brothers. And I just thought, imagine you, you feel as if God has some big plans for you in life, and then you find yourself in a pit looking up and you can't see anyone. And all you hear are your brothers saying, should we kill him or should we sell him? Mm-mm. And in that moment, I, I, all I can say is it's uncertainty. There's, there's no hope in that situation. But yet when you read it, Joseph at the end of his life even says, you meant harm for me, but God meant this for good. Right, right. Another story I think about is um, Moses' mom, you know, right in the midst of her having this beautiful baby boy, Pharaoh has said, I want to wipe out a generation of, of these people. And so he enlists his army to kill all of the, the baby boys that are born. And so she is fearful for the life of her son. And she decides that she's holding this tiny baby. Like it just makes, I can't even imagine 
holding this baby and putting him in a basket and then pushing him down the Nile River, just hoping that God is going to take care of it, but just pushing him into uncertainty and feeling so fearful for the life of this child that she loves so much. Yeah. I mean... When I, I was thinking about the, the text we're going to get to and just the, the idea of uncertainty today, I, I made a list. And you can go through David, Job, Elijah, Elisha, Nehemiah, Isaiah, Jacob, Rachel, Rahab, Ruth, James, the brother of Jesus, Peter, John, John the Baptist, John the Revelator. He was exiled into isolation, and, and, and that's where God showed up for him. Right. And in fact, all of history, every event in history and in the Bible is set against this uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so... We think this is a new thing. We right. think this is something that, oh my gosh, we're in, you even said. Yeah, we're in, un, we keep saying that we're in uncharted territories, which we are, like none of us have ever experienced anything like this before. But when you think about all of these stories, what is so sweet is that this is not uncharted territory for the Lord. Right. Like he has known this has come, this was coming and he has seen it all happen before and he was present and certain in all of it. Um, and so it's just sweet to know that during this pandemic that we are walking in, he's not just scratching his head like, right. what are we going to do? Like he knew before that this was going to happen. He has walked this road before and he has a plan and purpose in it. And right. he's certain. And, and in all the events of the Bible of uncertainty, the number one uncertain event in the Bible is the crucifixion of Christ. And so we're going to, to talk about Easter, the first Easter today, which was the greatest day. But I want to go back um, a few days before that and to where uh, a day before Jesus was crucified and we find a, an uncertainty that none of us can even fathom. Mm-hmm. But it's good for us as Christians to kind of put ourselves in, in that place. I want us to imagine that you are with Jesus on the Thursday before Easter. Now, in this time, he's in a place called Gethsemane, and I've actually been to this uh, garden, and it is a heavy place is how I would describe feeling when I was there. Uh, We were there at dusk, and you can see it's in the Kidron Valley. You can see Jerusalem on one side, and you can see the Mount of Olives on the other side, and Jesus goes there, and he is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed because he knows he's going to die. He's overwhelmed, and he says, this is what he says. He says, I am, my soul is sorrowful. God, if you can take this from me, then please let this cup pass from me. And he says, I just don't want to go through this. And he says, this is killing me. That's, that's the words that he's using. Um, and, and I just think how many of us have prayed that prayer, God, if you could just get me through this. I don't want to go through this. If you could make this pass, Lord, do it. I think we've been praying that prayer yeah, for the last you. three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so you can take the prayers that you of, of uncertainty that you've been praying and multiply them times 100. Jesus is actually sweating drops of blood. Right. And the events that happen after this, so he's, he's already uncertain. He's already vexed. He's already um, preparing his, himself for ultimate defeat to be uh, to be arrested. And then he sees one of his close friends come with the police mm-hmm. and the police take him and they take him away and they take him uh, before the religious leaders and the religious leaders um, have no grounds for this. It, it is all unfair. But yet in this um, unfairness, they hand him over to the governor and the governor even says, There's, I have nothing against him. 
And if you're a follower of Christ and you're trying to keep up, but they've taken him here and now you're, you're going to see if you can see him and, and you're beginning to, to get worried. Right. I mean, this is somebody you've put all your trust in. This is someone that you thought was a man from God that was the son of God that could heal the sick and any problem you had, you could take it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He could make food appear when you were hungry. Right. He could make uh, diseases fall off your body. Any problem you had, he could even pay your taxes for you. He, right. he, he pulled taxes out of the mouth of a fish. So when we think about his followers, they had so much hope in him, so much trust in him. And then they get to this moment where they see the governor bring him out before. And they and the governor says, behold, the man. And in this moment, you would think, okay, here's the last chance. You see Jesus, but now he's beaten. Now he, he's being mocked. And the crowd begins to yell, crucify him. And you watch Jesus be taken off and he holds this crossbeam and and you watch him get taken down the Via Della Rosa to Golgotha to the place of the skull and you see him crucified. And one thing that's important for us to remember is that when Jesus was on the cross, Christianity did not exist. When Jesus was on the cross, Christians did not exist. Every single person walked away from Jesus. No one said, there's the Son of God. No one said, this truly is the man who can do anything he wants because he has the power of God. He is God. There were no Christians. It was silent the day before Easter. And so imagine yourself as a Christian who's placed all your faith in Jesus to act, in Jesus to be able to save you, and now you see he's not even saving himself. I mean, how would you feel in that moment? And that's the context that we get to in our text today. And so, Megan, I'm going to have you read in uh, John chapter 20. Yeah, so Jesus died, and they put him in a tomb. Um, and then we're going to pick up the story here where Mary Magdalene was going to go visit the tomb um, to help take care of the body. Um, and so this, I'm going to read in John uh, chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. Um, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. I mean, that's the first Easter experience right there. Um, And so when when we read a text uh, 
really, Megan, you're standing in for, uh, for the whole church. For anyone watching this right now, I just want to ask some questions and kind of react to this experience and try to put ourselves in it. And so um, as I ask Megan questions, she's going to give her response, but I want to challenge you also to put your response and interact with us as well and interact with each other as well. Um, the first question uh, that I want to ask you, Megan, is uh, anytime as a preacher, anytime I see something happen twice, uh, I'll, it, 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 yeah. it must be important. And there's a question that is asked twice. Um, both the, the angel or the messenger that, that is clearly there and Jesus both ask a question to Mary. And they say that the question is this, um, why are you weeping? And it seems like a pretty straightforward question, right. but I think there's, a, there's layers, layers to this. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have asked it twice. They wouldn't have been asked twice. Um, I think she, she gives the answer that they want to hear, the, the, the one that's you know, the first on her mind. But I think there are layers. I think she had other fears as well. And so why do you think Mary was weeping? And how would you feel if you had put everything you had into following Jesus mm-hmm. And now you're looking for his dead body. Right. Yeah, it's uh, just putting myself, trying to put myself in in Mary's shoes. I think that, um, one, I do believe that she's crying because she's grieving. This man that she has loved and followed and put her hope in is died. Um, And it does feel hopeless. And so there's there's just a genuine grief there. Um, I think part of it is she has made a plan. And I can relate to this in a really big way that there's a plan to um, show up and take care of Jesus' body, and then he's not there. And just how frustrating it is to have a plan to do something and it for, for it to be foiled, for it to not to work the right. way that we want it to. I have cried many tears over plans not working the way that I thought or expected them to. And so I believe that she's weeping for that reason too. And I think you're right. Like She had put her hope in this Savior of someone who was going to come and, and do all of these things that were prophesied before and maybe had a vision of what it was supposed to look like and it did not look like that. And right. so it was just heartbroken that her hopes and her dreams of what this was going to look like had yeah, changed. Yeah, I think that's it, just a moment. Why are you weeping? I think it wasn't just one thing. It was everything. Right. I honestly think that just realizing every, it, this isn't going to affect one area of my life. This right. is everything. It's not just this. But there's also that that idea that... You know, her world is falling apart. And like you said, when you make a plan to deal with the fact you're losing everything and not even that plan, like you can't even fail, right? You can't, I can't even have my world collapse well, okay? I can't even do that right. Just the total defeat of that moment must have hit her hard. Now, Mary is, Mary Magdalene is at the tomb even though it seemed like Jesus was a fraud. And this is something we, we don't always think about. But at this moment, Jesus seems to be a fraud in that he is in the tomb. This is someone who said he was going to overcome the world. And now he's in the tomb. But yet, Mary shows up at the tomb. There are, None of the disciples are at the tomb. They've all walked away. Everyone else has walked away. But she decides, I'm still going to at least fulfill my duties to him. I'm still going to do right by him. And so she still goes to the tomb. And so the question that I want to ask you now, Megan, is this. When was a time that you ran to Jesus even when it seemed like he could not fix your situation? Because Mary, there's no hope in this, but she still 
That's what she knows. You know, we saw, we've seen this with the disciples too. There's a time when all the disciples are, are turning away and Jesus looks to Peter and says, are you going to turn away too? And Peter says, where can I go? You have the words of life. There, there are sometimes when a disciple in all hope lose, is lost and they still say, you know, I'm going to stay by Jesus. And, and we see that on Easter morning right. with Mary. So when is the time that you may have given up that God is going to fix or, or work in your situation, but you, you pursued him anyway? Pursued him. Yeah. Um, so my husband, Joey, and I have been in a, a process to adopt a baby girl um, over the last couple of years. And this time last year, we had been matched with an expectant mom. Um, and and a, the baby was due, at the end, uh, was due at the beginning of June. And so in May, we had lost contact with her um, off and on. And I go back and read kind of things that I had journaled. But... It was heartbreaking because I, you know, we had journeyed this this pregnancy with her, um, and it was so uncertain about what was going to happen. And with right. any adoption, it's there's uncertainty, but it got very uncertain in that time. And so, um, I had chosen a word steadfast for the year, um, which I'm so thankful for. And so I started reading through the Psalms and started underlining and circling the word steadfast, and just trying to draw near to the Lord so that. Um, he would be my source of strength and would teach me about his steadfastness and then how he can make me steadfast. And so um, what was so sweet about that is in the moment that we found out that the adoption had failed, um, I had such peace. And so I think that was the fruit of yeah. running to Jesus in this time of uncertainty in a moment that was devastating where a, you know our, our plans had been changed completely. I was completely covered in peace because yeah. of just running to the Lord. So that was yeah. a time for that. That's, that's, that's incredible. I think for me, um, well, I think back to when I was in college, I had bouts of depression where I would even have suicidal thoughts, but I would still get up and go to church and I would still pray. Uh, and it went on for, for really about 20 years of my life. I had uh, this depression, but yet I still prayed every single day, mm -hmm. God, I know eventually you're going to do this. And he did. He took it from me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think back to when my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and I realized that this probably wasn't going away and that mm -hmm. uh, this is serious, that, that yeah. people die from this and that my child is going to have this. But, uh, but every single night that I get up and I see that uh, God has sustained him again, uh, I just have a moment of praise. Mm -hmm. And so even... Uh, when sometimes we lose hope, we can find God in those right, moments. Right. All right, now, Mary would have missed the most important event to ever occur in the world right. had she stayed home, yeah. had she not gone. Have you ever refused to pursue God because you thought he had failed you? Right. So after this adoption fail had happened, I kind of grieved through the summer, and then we continued to wait to be matched again, and it just is so wearisome to wait so long for something. And so I found myself just give it like going, Lord, I don't think you're doing this anymore. Like, where are you? What has happened? And so instead of pursuing the Lord, I would find different ways to just numb out and not feel right. what I want, what I needed to process. And so would run to social media and spend so much time mindlessly scrolling or television or something just to numb yeah. what I was feeling instead of pursuing the Lord. And I, th I think that's how many of us are right now, that right. It, it's sometimes it's hard to just put down the news, to mm -hmm. put down social media right. and just sit in the stillness mm -hmm. and experience, you know, God in these moments. I think right. that's a natural inclination to kind of numb ourselves. And then we miss, we miss the right. fruit of like the peace and goodness that comes from being with Jesus. Yeah, exactly. All right. The last question uh, is this. As I turn off my there are my notes, there we go. Now, the, the last statement of this passage 
she says, I have seen the Lord. That's her good news that she brings on Easter morning. Specifically, she has seen the risen Lord. Now, the hope of every single Christ follower, every believer, our hope is in that one statement. I have seen the risen Lord. And so in the midst of a hopelessness or a struggle or the anxieties that we're facing right now, where do you look around and see the risen Lord? Where are you seeing Christ right now in the midst of this uh, COVID panic that we're experiencing? Where is Easter happening for you? Yeah, so it's in a lot of different ways. Um, I think in nature, it's been really beautiful. We've had lots of really beautiful days outside, and so getting to just experience um, nature and and spring coming um, has been very sweet. I've seen more blue jays and red cardinals, which I think is really cool, and just inspire awe in us. Um, But even more than that, I am seeing God's goodness in how he is showing up for people. For instance, we are now matched with a new expectant mom and so there is hope in that we don't know how it's going to turn out but you can give your praise hands to (laughs) megan and joey right now but we you know there's just we are seeing that god is working Um, and i'm seeing it and you know my friend lucas my friend's son lucas collins has not had seizures in four and a half weeks like god is moving and working and protecting him i'm seeing it in announcements of pregnancy and um just such sweet god's peace and comfort when people have lost jobs like he is moving and showing yeah. up for his people yeah you know i see it just in our church as a whole in that had this happened last year at this exact time mm-hmm. um we would be in a crisis mode at the yeah, church we that we were carrying a uh we were paying for a building we were renting a building that uh would ha- was draining us that that would have uh drained us in this moment had we not been able to meet um like we're currently in right. we would be uh, not only in panic mode, we would be thinking about, okay, or, or, do we shut down? What do we do? But God took us through a hard year mm-hmm. in which we uh, got rid of that building. We moved to the city of Wiley. We had this new vision, but we also, uh, we no longer pay for that building. In fact, right. right now we're not paying any rent. And in the midst of that, our, our people started uh, setting up and tearing down. And we thought that was such a burden and it's hard, yeah. but, uh, you know, we were doing children's ministry in the library of the school. Now some of us are longing to get back to do that children's ministry, which is awesome. But what it did is we also had people give generously during the past year. And now we find ourselves being able to, we're we're not, uh, we're going to be able to sustain for the whole year. Um, and it's put us in a position to where we're not worried about ourselves as an organization. God has put us in a position to where we can look at our church and say, let's, where can we help? How can we make sure that every single one of us gets through this and is sustained through this? And so, uh, and it's really refocused us Mm -hmm. to where we can be the church in this time and get what's important. It's really powerful to see how God has, I mean, it is so powerful to see how God prepared us for this. Um, yeah. That he knew, I mean, it just goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. He knew that this was coming. This is not it's a surprise amazing. to him. And so we might be surprised by this, but he was not. And he was working and setting things into motion to prepare each of us to be able to walk this season. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the idea of this whole series is that life is uncertain, but God is 
certain. And this reminds me of a story that, a scary story that happened to me in college. In fact, I made a video this week that I'm about to show you to kind of close this message out because um, really God is always certain, but we face uncertainty all the time. And so I'm going to show this video, which hopefully will just challenge us to really think about where are we putting our faith? What are we putting? Are we putting it in things that are certain or uncertain? And I want to give us a verse uh, before we uh, close out this message. In Romans 8, 28, it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. You know, we know when life is uncertain, God is certain. And he still has the whole world in his hands.